Well, good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to a brand new sermon series here called Hashtag Blessed. Uh, before we jump in, I mean, there's just, there's just some moments, some Sundays as a pastor where I am super proud to be connected to you and this church. Um, I was just reading a, a document about church sizes and structures and flows this morning, and uh, the pastor said, when a church gets bigger, it's really, really tempting to just focus on the numbers, you know, how many people came to church, how much were the offerings, how many people are in Bible study, and he said that bigger churches need to work really hard to remember that that is never the point. The point is always people being changed by the love of Jesus so that they love each other. And uh, this week, there were just so many examples at our church, uh, not just of you know, big church services, but people loving each other sacrificially and deeply, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, a member of our church stepped up, uh, helped a father visit his, his son this weekend, sacrificing his time to do it. Um, I've seen my friend Pina Luck back from Thailand where she was caring for a family member for four months. Now she's back with us for the first time. So, man, just thinking about the love that happens here, uh, that's always the goal and that's always the point. Uh, So thank you, not just for hearing the word of God, but responding to it in uh, such biblical ways. All right, mini, unexpected sermon, done. Yes, we can clap for love, that's all right. We clap for songs, we should do that too. All right, now back to my prepared remarks. (laughs) Uh, Back in 2020, in the old city of Jerusalem, I personally got blessed. Kind of. I was wandering around like your average American Christian tourist when suddenly this rabbi, dressed in kind of raggedy rabbi clothes, came up to me unexpected, placed his hands on me, and started to speak, I think, what was a blessing in the Hebrew language. He's speaking so fast, I couldn't understand all of his words. I caught Israel, America, Yeshua, and I was kind of confused what was happening until his buddy came up and asked for a little bit of payment for the blessing. (laughs) I said, thanks. Uh, No, thanks. I'm good. I started to walk away. And so he gave me his second pitch. He said, oh, but the rabbi will sell you a special blessed prayer bracelet, which he showed me. It looked like a red string just tied around his wrist. I said, thanks, but no thanks. And I walked away, and so uh, the money changer gave me his final pitch. He said, wait, the rabbi can bless you with eight children. <laughs> and I kept walking. <laughs> I told my wife about that when I got home, and she did not think that pushing six more babies out of her body was the best blessing that she could imagine. Yeah, as I was thinking about the topic of being blessed, I I thought about that moment. What exactly is a blessing? How do you define a blessing? What one person thinks is a blessing isn't always what another person thinks is a blessing. Uh, We know in the Bible that God wants to bless us and he wants us to receive experience and be aware of those blessings. Uh, Which brings me to a couple of questions for you. How, How blessed do you feel right now? You know, sometimes on social media, people will you know, post a picture of something great and add a hashtag blessed. If, if your life right now or your week that you just had was a, a Twitter post, would you slap a hashtag blessed on the end of it? When you're praying to God, you know, the first thing that comes out of your mouth, is it you know, a request for something you really want or are you just so moved by what he has already given Or to put it another way, if you had to pick a number between 0 and 100, 0 being I'm totally cursed, God's mad getting back at me, and 100 is I can't imagine being more blessed, uh, what number would you pick? Let's actually do that, huh? You got a a pen in your hand, a 
piece of paper to write on. If you had to pick, be totally honest, this is just for you, between zero and 100, how blessed do you feel right now compared to yesterday or a year ago? Uh, what number would you pick? Now, as you think about your number, I should maybe define what I think a blessing is. I was trying to give a simple definition. and uh, If you're taking notes, write this down. I, I think a blessing is just something good that comes from God. Right? Something good, something that brings you happiness, something you're grateful for. But it's not just like you, you saw 20 bucks laying on the ground. It's not a coincidence or an accident. If you believe that something actually came from a God who knows you and wants to do something good for you, that's what it means to be blessed. So back to your number. Uh, as you think about you and God, the good things he's given, maybe the things he hasn't yet given, I wonder what number you picked. Real quick, can I ask? Um, did anyone here pick a number greater than 50 out of 100? Yeah. Anyone hit 70? You feel that blessed? A few less hands. Anyone hit 80? Some hands go down. Yeah, a lot of people feeling blessed. I, I want to tell you my goal today, by the time I say amen, is to take whatever number you had and to make it bigger. My goal is at least five, if not ten points. And obviously, I'm not going to be able to fix your health. We don't have piles of money sitting in the church lobby to fix your financial situation. There's maybe complications in your family, in your body, maybe something in this nation. I don't have a, a button to change. So what I want to try to do is to shift your mindset and open your eyes to some really, really good things that God gives that we don't often think about. My hope is that by exposing you to these good things that are right in front of you that maybe you never considered, I can increase that number and make you more grateful and make you feel more blessed. And here's why I want to do that. Uh, if you've ever dated someone or raised a kid, you know that gratitude is a game changer, right? Um, no family's perfect, no couple's perfect. There's always something that's wrong that we could talk about and hash over and complain about. But if we focus too much on what we don't have as a family, it will erode at the closeness that we feel. But if I'm instead overwhelmed by the good things I get from a relationship, if I tell you what I love about you as a friend, if I express to my wife frequently how grateful I am for A, B, and C, even if she hasn't given me D, E, and F, that relationship thrives. And the Bible knows the same thing is true with you and God. You know, fixate maybe on that one good thing he hasn't given you and your closeness will God will get stretched and frayed and tested. But train your mind to think about the good things that God has currently given you and you'll be, you'll be grateful for the relationship. You'll start your prayers with praise instead of requests. My, my hope is that by increasing your number, helping you see your blessings, I can actually improve the relationship that you have with God. So today, if you want to know where I'm going, I'm going to try to cover three things from biggest to most specific. First, I want to tell you what I found when I studied all the blessings in the whole Bible. Second, I'm going to zoom in to a really famous blessing in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, that we love to speak here at our church. And then finally, part three, I'm going to zoom in to just the first part of that famous blessing and start to unpack it word by word. And my hope is that by talking about all the blessings, this famous blessing, and then a beautiful part of that blessing, you like me, can feel truly blessed. So, let's jump in. Part number one, what does the Bible say about blessings? 
I found out through a quick Bible search that there are 389 separate Bible passages that use words like blessing, blessed, or bless. 301 of them are in the Old Testament. And if you would read all 301 of those verses in the Old Testament, you would find out that almost all of them are about physical things. It's about food, it's about health, it's about wealth, it's about fertility, it's about family. The Old Testament wants us to remember it's not just spiritual and eternal things. If God has done anything good for you that you can see or hear or taste or touch, he wants you to count those blessings because he's throwing open the floodgates of heaven to show his love to you. In fact, the proof is on the first page of the Bible. I believe the first example of the word bless in all the scriptures is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, where it says, God blessed them, as Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and increase in number. So I think it's accurate biblical scholarship to say the first blessing was making babies. <laughs> Not to be too PG-13 here, but God says if he's given you the gift of intimacy, if intimacy leads to fertility, he says it's because God has blessed you. So husbands, I'm not telling you what to say or what not to say after you kiss the woman you love, but you could wink at her and say, you're blessed. Or that could get really awkward and you might not want to do that. It might backfire. Right? God says when he gives you a child, when he gives you a grandchild, when he gives you family, when he gives you someone that loves you and you love them back, don't miss that gift. Not everyone in the world has that. You're blessed. Or, a few pages later, there's another example. The book of Genesis also tells us, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. Isaac goes out to the field, there's a whole bunch of grain, puts food in his belly, allows him to provide for his family. It was his ancient paycheck, his financial security. Why did that happen? The Bible's simple answer is because God blessed him. The sunshine was a blessing, the rain was a blessing, the fertileness of the soil was a blessing, the crop that came back, the body that could reap the harvest. All of these very, very physical things were truly wonderful gifts from God. And so here's my question to you, this classic wisdom that we've heard so many times. What would happen to your relationship with God if you would slow down your busy life just long enough to count your blessings? Like, if you literally ask yourself the question, what do I have right now that at least a billion humans don't? That'll make you feel blessed. Now, for example, how many of you drove a car today to church? Yeah, lots of you. Literally pushed the button, turned on your favorite music. How many of you have uh, one of those cars that's so fancy where you don't even have to roll down the windows? (laughs) And my van is old, but I still can just push the button. Like, well, how many people? How, How difficult would it be to get to church or get to work or get to school if I didn't have a car waiting for me in the garage? A billion people at least, huh, that don't have that blessing, but I do. Do you? We're so blessed. Now, how many of you had legs that could walk through the church parking lot and find a seat? You didn't have to be pushed in by a wheelchair. How, how many people aren't able physically 
to move like they want to, move like they used to. You and I might not be Mr. or Mrs. Universe, but if our bodies still move, that's, that's such a great gift. If you've felt healthy, that's a wonderful gift that comes from God. That means that you and I are incredibly blessed. How many of you slept in a bed in your own home last night? Yeah, I know and love people who struggle with housing stability. If you had a, a roof over your head and four walls around that bed, that, that's, can you imagine not having that gift? How many of you already had something to eat this morning? Breakfast? Yeah, half of you? How many of you are already thinking about what you're having for lunch? All of you? Yes. <laughs> that's what you do during sermons? Hmm. All right. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a gift, right? So, some people can barely afford to eat. Man, we have clean drinking. How many of you took a hot shower this morning? Yeah, me too. How many of you are sitting next to someone who didn't shower this morning? Uh, that was also a test. Don't be, love your neighbor. <laughs> I think of that sometimes when I'm just sitting there in the shower. Like, how did I get hot? This feels so relaxing and good. Here's what I did. <laughs> how many people in human history would have had their minds blown by that gift? If we stop back and think, it is such a blessing, right? Maybe life isn't perfect, but God is like stacking up dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of gifts that a billion people don't have. And if you slow down the count, you'll see. I mean, wives, um, if you see your husband's dirty clothes sitting there in the bedroom, you could do two things. You could think you're very cursed because you have a very irresponsible husband who can't do the simplest thing. Or, or you could realize it's, it's such a blessing of someone that you live with, that you love. If, if he would pass, you'd miss those clothes on the floor. Right? As you're changing a diaper, moms and dads, <laughs> you could feel very cursed as you took one whiff. Or, and you could realize what a blessing it is to have that little kid with his big cheeks and his fat wrists. Uh, those days are going to go fast. You're going to miss them. The devil loves to just count down from 100 and think about what we lack. God loves to start from zero and think about what we deserve and open our eyes to his goodness and his mercy. So I have some homework for you this week. Uh, if you're watching at home, this homework is for you too. I want you to spend the next seven days, whatever system you want to use, to count your blessings. Right, my wife loves to journal after she reads her Bible in the morning. You just might have a little section where three things, you don't need a paragraph. Just something really good you're grateful for that you want to remember and praise God. Uh, if you live with uh, a partner, your kids, your parents, some roommates, maybe you go around the dinner table for the next seven days. And before you talk about what's wrong with the world, you could talk about something very right that comes from a God who is so full of love. Uh, if you're a person of prayer, maybe before the meal or right when you wake up and before you get out of bed, before we get to God, please help me with or please forgive me for Maybe we could start with praise for gifts that he has already given. They're, they're right there. The Old Testament is just begging us to open our eyes to see them. Every good and perfect gift, the scripture says, is from above. Oh, let's not miss it. Oh, but wait. There's more. <laughs> uh, if you're listening carefully, I said that the Old Testament almost entirely focuses on the physical but not categorically. There's a famous psalm, Psalm 32, where King David talked about the person who was blessed and he started it by saying, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose 
sin, the Lord will not count against them. Uh, David couldn't see and touch and taste such spiritual things, but when he stepped back and thought how good it was to be forgiven, that thought moved him to praise. And that's exactly where the New Testament takes the topic of blessing. Right, you turn the page from Old Testament to New, you get to the birth and the life of Jesus. And the New Testament almost launches in Matthew 5 with a famous sermon by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about who's really blessed. It's called the Beatitudes, if you've read it before. And what does he say? He doesn't say, blessed are the healthy, blessed are the wealthy, blessed are the moms and dads with the little one in their arms. No, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who insult, are insulted because of the name of God. Here's why. Because they have God. Can't see God. Can't smell God. As a spiritual being, you can't touch God. But Jesus was convinced, and the New Testament is convinced, that if you have God, if you're a child of God, if you've been forgiven and saved by God, you actually have something a billion times better than the best physical gift on earth. I love how the Apostle Paul taught this in Ephesians 1. He wrote this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why praise him? Because he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Years ago, I had a Bible study in my home. We read the book of Ephesians. And one of my very close friends, she could not read this verse without eyebrows in her hairline. <laughs> and she would insist that her pastor and everyone else in the room not miss these words. Every spiritual blessing. If you're a Christian, do you have every physical blessing? No. Do you have every financial blessing? No. Do you have every relational blessing? No. Every family blessing? No. Every friendship blessing? No. But if you are a Christian, do you have every spiritual blessing? Paul's answer is, yes, you do. But you want to be connected to God? Done in Jesus. You want to be forgiven for your sins? Done in Jesus. You want to be forgiven for all the sins? Done in Jesus. You want to be forgiven for that sin? It's done in Jesus. Do you want to be chosen by someone? Yep, yours through Jesus. Do you want to be loved by someone, known by someone, cared for by someone? All yours in Jesus. Do you want to be sanctified, perfect, holy, pure, blessed in the sight of God? Yours, 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 yours through the name of Jesus. Pick the best blessings you could have to be redeemed, saved, bound for heaven, known by God, every prayer heard, all of it, Paul says, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. That's why the Bible's convinced you could be sitting in a jail cell right now. Your body could be breaking down in a nursing home. You could be looking today for a place to stay. You could be off to divorce court, filing bankruptcy, struggling with fertility. But if you have Jesus, every you cannot pick a small number. How, how could you? Life is short and everything that matters is guaranteed to be yours through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so mash the Bible's blessings all together and 389 times the Bible saying, don't miss it. Please don't miss it. All the physical things you already have, all the spiritual things that are yours through Jesus. Think about that. And your number has to increase. You will feel, maybe more than ever before, that you are so, so blessed. Write a new number. 
I'll give you a second. And if the number hasn't increased just yet, well, good thing I'm not done. <laughs> so we're ready for part two. Let's zoom in to this famous blessing. Uh, back around the year 1500 BC, when Moses and his brother Aaron lived, God chose Aaron to be the high priest, the spiritual leader of ancient Israel. And throughout the books of Exodus and Leviticus and the book of Numbers, God is kind of instructing how church should work way back in the day. And it's there that we find this blessing that for the past almost 4,000 years, people across the planet in different languages and cultures have been hearing. Here are the famous words. Number six, starting with verse 22, says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Man, I love this blessing. I'm curious, where are my church note takers at? Is there anyone who doesn't just fill in the blanks, but you're always like writing stuff during sermons? Can I see your hands? Yeah, that's me. That's me. This is the part that you're going to love. If you don't like taking notes, you're probably going to be bored. You can zone out for a little bit because this is the part where I break down the beauty of Hebrew poetry. You look excited. Now, there's so many beautiful things about the blessing that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. God blessing, keeping, face shining, giving us peace. But if you would have been a Jewish person who understood the Hebrew language, the intentionality and the poetry of this blessing would have blown your mind. Here's what I learned. There's three lines to this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the original Hebrew language, the first line has three words. The second line has five words, and the last line has seven words. It's almost like God wanted his people to say, wow, I'm blessed. Whoa, I'm really blessed. Woo! I'm crazy blessed. He, he, wanted to exp- he wanted to increase their number, right? Expand their blessing. And built into the middle of the blessing, you, you probably caught it, was the name of the Lord spoken three times. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, three times in one blessing, which makes some Christians think about the Trinity. Maybe a little hint that there's three persons in one God. God the Father is the one who blesses us. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the one who's gracious to us. God the Holy Spirit is the Lord who produces the fruit of peace within us. And if all that weren't interesting enough, then there's my favorite part, the shift from the plural to the singular. Now, this blessing was meant to be spoken to a whole bunch of people. It says, you are to bless the Israelites, plural, and say to them, plural. But then when you get to the actual blessing, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, turn towards you, and give you peace. Six times in Hebrew, it's the singular form. Uh, if you've ever learned Spanish before, you might know there's a difference between you, singular, and you, plural. Um, here where I live, we don't talk about that much in English, but if you go down to Texas, you'll note that in English too. You, y'all, 
all y'all. It's the same in Hebrew. There's a, there's a distinctive word for you all and just you. And here's what happens in this blessing. God says, Aaron, I want you to speak to all these people, thousands and thousands of Israelites that I love. But when you speak the blessing, make it personal. It's like God speaking through the one who's giving the blessing wants to look like right at you. Like it's just you and God. He's not just some generic, yeah, God do good things for people. He's like, no, God, God wants to bless you. And he wants to keep you. And he's not just happy with like his people in general. Through Jesus, he's gracious to, to you. If our church services weren't already so long, I would just love to look each of you in the eye and speak the whole thing next. So you know what this blessing was originally intended to do. Not just end the church service, not to be the time when we grab our jackets and pack up our things. Like God, who loves the whole world, wants to speak specifically to each one of his children. It's like a good mom tucking her kids in at night, looking them in the eye, expressing love, making them feel safe. That's what this blessing is. Say to them, all of them, that God wants to bless you. I mean, come on, how good is Hebrew grammar? You didn't know that before, did you? I don't think about that every time I hear the blessing, every time I speak it. God so loved the world, the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever individually believes in him would have that blessing. So can you pick a new number? Knowing that God, uh, he's not just some big father of some big family who's too busy, but he's an eternal God who has all the time in all of history to look you in the eye and express his love. If, if you think about that, And if your pen still isn't moving, it's a good thing I got one more try. <laughs> all right, so far we've talked about all the blessings in the Bible. Lots of them physical. Let's count them. Every spiritual blessing ours in Jesus. We've focused on this famous blessing from the days of Aaron and Moses where God wants to expand our mind, to put his name upon us, to speak to us heart to heart. But now, now we get to my favorite part, uh, the blessing itself. Uh, here in part three, I just want to read one line to you. Verse 24 of number six says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Well, we've kind of talked about the first half of that. The Lord bless you. The Lord do something good for you personally. So I want to take the rest of my time and just focus on those last words, and keep you. Uh, in full disclosure, I've always gravitated to the part of the blessing where I think about God's face shining on me. Like he's not disappointed. He's not mad despite my sin. He's forgiven me. I never really thought much about this part of verse 24. The Lord keep me. What does that mean? A little preschooler was coloring in church and he asked in that really loud preschool voice, his mom or his dad, what does that mean? What would you say to him? The Lord keep you. What's the blessing in that? Well, here's the best way that I could teach it to you. Imagine, imagine there's a big door here. Can you see it? Door handle. And you're all nice and safe and warm and cozy inside the house, and I'm standing outside of it on the other side of the door. Why do we have doors? 
Why not just live in an apartment or a duplex or a house with just walls and a roof? I think the simple answer is because doors keep us. Doors keep the dangerous things that are out here, the animals, the strangers, the wind, the rain, the snow. It keeps that stuff out here. And if you've ever raised a little kid, it keeps the ones you love in here. When the blessing says that God keeps you, I think what it's saying is God is like the door who keeps the people he loves safe here in his house, in his presence. And he keeps all the dangerous threats to our soul out there. He doesn't let them in. To keep you means that you still have faith. You're still a child of God. You haven't given up your soul to sin. He's not just saved you. He's kept you saved by keeping those dangers out there and by keeping you safe in here. Write this down and then I'll try to explain what I mean. I think at the start of this famous blessing, we're learning that one of God's best blessings is your keeping. Like the thing that God wants you to think about from the very start is the fact that despite all the danger out there to your soul, it hasn't gotten to you. You're still part of God's family. You're still someone who trusts in his son, Jesus. I mean, think about that. If the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If there was no door to your spiritual life and he just came roaring in, the world with literally billions of people who don't believe that Jesus is worth it, who are living lives of disobedience to God because at the end of the day, they just don't think Jesus is good enough to sacrifice for. If, if that whole world came flooding in and surrounded you with its message, what would happen to your faith? And so the fact that if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and despite the devil, and despite the demons, and despite the deception, despite the world, you're still a person who loves the Bible, believes in the goodness of God, and is willing to follow Jesus no matter what it costs you? How did that happen? And the answer is, because God kept you. He didn't just rescue you from this broken world and put you in a spiritual house with no doors. Instead, he brought you inside of the family of faith and then in his love, he protected you from all the dangers that exist in every direction. Make it specific. Like We live in a world where so many people, how many people think that human beings are an accident? There was some big bang, something happened. We evolved through all these however many years and like, hey, that's how you got here. If you don't believe that, if you say, no, 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 I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that God is a father who knit me together in my mother's womb. I believe that my life is not an accident I'm not just here because my people survived as the strongest. I'm here because there is a God who is a good father that made me and loved me. If you believe that in a world where so many people don't, it's because God kept you. He kept that idea from getting into your soul and persuading you otherwise. What a, 
What a gift to know you're not an accident, but a dearly loved child of God. Or think about that idea in the world, how many billions of people believe it, that to know that you're good with God, you have to do enough good things. Call it karma, call it morality, call it climbing the ladder, balancing the scales. Good people get to heaven, bad people are in trouble. You better be good, for goodness sake. If you don't believe that, if you actually, like me, think, despite all the bad things I've done, I'm good with God because of Jesus, period. Like He died for me. He took all my sin away. Because of Jesus, I'm good with the Father. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you believe that, that it's just Jesus, just grace, through pure faith, and not because you've been such a good person, why do you, why do you out of all people, believe that? Because God in his mercy, he kept you. If you're a teenager growing up in a world where you're supposed to follow your heart and be true to yourself and not let anyone judge you, but you see through all that, you know, number one, it's not logical. You don't ask that of other people. But instead, you think, no, I'm not supposed to be myself. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I'm not going to follow my heart. My, my heart gets me in all kinds of trouble. My mind goes to all kinds of places. I'm going to follow the God who loved me so much, he forgave me for all of my sins. If you're a teenager, where so many teenagers have bailed on that, why is it? Because God kept you. You heard the teaching, you have a friend who believes it, but you don't. If you've stayed strong in your faith and haven't wavered in what you believe, it's because God is so good. He did not just save you, but he kept you saved. Uh, I think of it this way. When, when you're raising a little kid, um, you know that like plastic thing you put over the door handle? It's tough for adults to figure out sometimes. <laughs> right? Why? Because the kid, um, kids are prone to wander and they want to explore and they're really curious and sometimes because of that, they'll wander into really dangerous places. So we put these little door handles on. I, I think that's what our Heavenly Father does to us spiritually. And our hearts might be prone other things. We're curious about other ideas, other philosophy. Ooh, it looks fun out there doing the things that Jesus doesn't love and God somehow in his mercy doesn't let the door open. It keeps us safe and connected. In a world where people are doing their own spiritual thing, you're watching this message at home or, or you invested time in your faith. If you're a person and you have a Bible at home and it's not covered in dust, it's because God has kept you. Just the beauty of that struck me so, so good the other day. I've been alive for about 15,000 days. Uh, my mom raised me from my earliest years to be a follower of Jesus. She, she taught me the gospel, brought me to church. And throughout my 15,000 days, there is rarely a blessing that I have had the entire time. I'm from a two-income family. I'm like American rich. But when I was in college and I'm eating packs of ramen for like 10 for a dollar, I used to buy the, I haven't always been like American wealthy, but I've always been a Christian. I've been kept. It took me 19 years to find my first girlfriend. I did not like the first 18. <laughs> I haven't had that blessing of someone who knows me and loves me like I have the past 20 years with Kim, but there, there's a blessing I had even before her. I was kept in the Christian family. I haven't always been healthy. 
struggled with headaches and brain issues in high school, collapsed a lung when I was in college, almost lost two fingers in a freak hockey accident. I haven't always felt good, but I've always been good with God. 15,000 straight days, God bless me, bless me, bless me, because he kept me, kept me, kept me. How about you? When you woke up this morning, you, you could have said, oh, my back, or oh, what's the weather today? Or, did you see this news? Or you could have woken up and said, still a Christian? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still believe there's a God. I still believe that he's my father. I still believe that he knows me. I, I still believe, oh, how, how good is he? If he never gave me another dollar or another cent, if he never did another good thing for me, he is here. I'm still a Christian. I live in a broken world. The devil is alive and he is very well. And yet God, in his insane mercy, he didn't just bless me, he kept me. Or maybe I should say this, he blessed me by keeping me. And when I think about that, I I could have walked away. I probably should have walked away. If my heart would have gotten the last word, I might have. But God made the handle spin and he kept me safe in his house, close to his heart. So, I'll give you one last try. What's your number? Did you think about everything the Bible has to say about blessings, all the physical things you have, the spiritual gifts that are yours in Christ, the God who speaks specifically to you, and especially he speaks you this blessing of kept you, kept you close to Jesus? Man, I don't know about you. It makes me love him even more than I used to. Now, back in the late 1970s, in a valley just southwest of Jerusalem, archaeologists discovered what some people believe is the most important discovery in all of biblical studies. They found this old burial cave, and inside were a bunch of ancient pottery, a bunch of human bones, and I'll show you a picture. They found two of these. A tiny, tiny silver scroll. I've seen this with my own eyes in Jerusalem. Only about an inch wide. One of them was an inch tall. The other one about four inches tall. They think that this little scroll was worn as a necklace and hung over someone's heart. And engraved on it in ancient text is the oldest surviving Bible passage currently in existence. They track the oldest copies of the Bible written on a pot or on parchment. This is it. Dates back to 600 BC. And does anyone want to guess what it says? The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with favor. And may that give you and you and you peace. Let's pray. Ah, God, that does give us peace. Uh, to think that you're God and uh, you're not just a busy, overwhelmed dad running the universe. You are a father in heaven who speaks individually to each of our hearts. Um, God, it's hard to be ungrateful when we really think. <laughs> if it was just the physical things, there's plenty to keep us grateful. Even non-believers know that. But for those of us who know your son, 
who have been saved and then blessed by being kept. Oh man, how can we complain, God? You have been so good to us. Uh, We're so grateful that because of Jesus, your face is shining upon us, that that hasn't changed. It's really what gives us peace at the end of the day. And so God, open our eyes to see the height and the width and the depth of your love that our number would increase in leaps and bounds and we would say out of all the people on earth, we who follow Jesus are so, so blessed. Uh, Father, for anyone here today who doesn't, (laughs) help them know that this blessing is for them too. That by coming to Jesus, repenting of their sins and believing in his name, everything I just said can be theirs this very moment because your blessings come not by our good works but by the good work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, We live in a, a complicated world, Lord. There's many people even within the church who have lost their peace and we want to turn our attention to this blessing that reminds us that we don't have to lose it. There's so many good things right now that are ours because you are a God who has put your name upon us, who goes before us and beside us and behind us. Your spirit is within us. Oh, Father, this is what gives us peace. So, uh, we will not ask you just to bless us today because we already are. Instead, open our eyes to the blessings we already have. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen.